0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions.
1: Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. Professor Richard Gershon needed to catch a plane today My guest is expert Professor Michelle Alexandre from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Professor Alexandre was the valedictorian of Colgate University. Her law degree is from Harvard. Her teaching and scholarly areas include constitutional law, international law, civil rights law, disability law, critical, crucial race theory, human rights and gender and I just the kitchen sink, the kitchen sink. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Professor Alexandre. Hi Liz, how are you? I'm fantastic. We're very glad that you're able to join us today.
2: Me too. I'm always excited to talk to your listeners and to you.
1: Well, this morning we're gonna talk about civil rights and it seems a shame that in, you know, 2019, this is still our uh, the forefront and needs to be discussed.
2: Yeah, and, you know, there are two ways to think about this. One is, of course, to really witness uh, a form of regression uh, or attempts at regression of civil rights, and that is definitely um, something to be alert about, and it is unfortunate because— Discussions and, and pro- policies about rights are supposed to progress over time. But second, it's really for everyone to be rare, aware that the notion of what are rights, uh, it's an ongoing debate. So um, when people are not alert, that is when regression occurs. Um, we all basically check in with each other periodically to confirm Um, the scope of protections and, um, and that we are all in favor of human dignity even if we didn't understand certain issues in the past. And that's what we're supposed to be doing and then be alert to any danger of regression.
1: Well, Michelle, you've published extensively in the area of civil rights. Recently, you've published a book titled The New Frontiers of Civil Rights Litigation. What are some of the issues that we are talking about in 2019?
2: Well, unfortunately, as you started in 2019, we are um, really um, struggling with the roots issue that that that. Uh, really um, began the civil rights movement, the civil long civil rights movement um, around racial justice, racial equity. Um, so, in the book and 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 you know, discussion, I want to really. Um, Uh, affirm what we all know that um, the movement for civil rights especially in this country started with the movement for racial equity Um, and we still struggle with that in um, uh, overt and in covert forms Um, but in addition to that we are still struggling with with uh, related issues um, 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 in the gender context, in immigration context we're struggling with educational equality we're struggling with what I call um, you know, what I want us to think about as part of civil rights movement, but what people might consider a new frontier, which is um, environmental justice um, and food justice. All of those things are things that are necessary for people to be whole and to have true civil rights.
1: That's very interesting. I've never heard environmental justice. Tell me what that is.
2: Well, you know, uh, environmental justice is related to um, uh, climate change. It's related to um, selective issues. Um, uh dividing of property and selective re, uh, replacement of people of bodies or um, policies like um, deciding to put people um, at the bottom of um, an erosion um, uh, erosion plane for example um, a plane prone to erosion um, so if, if, if a locality is, is uh, centuries ago or even decades ago decided that they would only sell the, that kind of property to poor people then um, When disasters happen, these uh, communities would be the one most mostly impacted and destroyed. So we see that a lot everywhere in the United States and around the world. From redlining um, in the 80s, 70s, and even 90s, which is basically refusing to lend money, to lend um, to um, sell property or rent property to particular. uh to communities of color to poor communities to um, the effect today um, that comes from um, zoning that comes from um, displacement from imminent domain from uh, efforts that validate, revitalization that don't take into consideration people um, people of color and poor people uh, but in addition to that uh, we have already uh, documented that climate change is going to continue that pr- pattern the pattern of excluding poor Poor people um, and communities that are traditionally most affected by disasters. Uh, that pattern is going to aggressively impact um, these communities, and that that's why it's an environmental justice issue. Um, and environmental justice lawyers have been fighting for a long time, even on basic issues like no dumping in poor communities, no toxic waste in poor communities. Those are all issues that we've been fighting that we've been fighting over for a long time.
1: This morning, we're talking about civil rights. With our guest, Professor Michelle Alexandre from the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you have a question, we'd love for you to be part of our show. Our number is one. 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at org. Professor Alexander, you said another one I hadn't heard of, uh, food rights. Tell us about that.
2: Well, food rights is huge, and we've been um, more and more aware of it, I think, Um in recent um, in recent times in the last um, 10 years because we we formerly had an administration that actually um, started educating people about food deserts and how um, how important access to food um, to basic grocery stores basic healthy food um, is to the overall health and to the ability for people to live a sustainable life so here in Mississippi food justice is is, is, is primordial um, we do not have um, basic access to Food in most communities, meaning that um, the ability to even access a decent grocery store is lacking. In a lot of our uh, Mississippi communities um, and uh, agriculture has been decimated. So we do have um, really great organizations doing work on we re- uh, affirming the work of um, farmers, um, the work of um, f- uh, local folks trying to provide food, but um, healthy food is still hugely. Um, and by healthy food, I just mean what doctors. Um, estimate to be necessary for overall health, um, some vegetables, some grains, and fruits. Um, we're not talking about buying um, from Whole Foods, uh, <laughs> and every day, um, but that basic access to vegetable, access to fruits um, in some communities is, is just uh, nonexistent. So you have um, a, a gap here, and then when you compound that with the fact that one out of three children in Mississippi um, um, uh, were uh, these these numbers, uh, no, no, one out of three children live in poverty. That, those numbers are staggering.
1: All right. Uh, in your book you make the following statement uh, old gains have been undercut while new issues face an uphill battle what is more civil rights law is now viewed as affecting only specific groups rather than the entire country so let's talk about how do civil rights issues affect all americans
2: that's a great question, Liz. Uh, well, it, if you think about all the gains that were made from the civil rights movement, so um, open accommodations, right, um, this, the, the dismantling of Jim Crow laws um, and um, the ushering of equality in the workplace 2007 Title VII, which mandates that um, uh, employers cannot be discriminated, cannot discriminate against others uh, and their employees based on, on religion or race, um, and, and gender when you think about that, the, the movement that led to the extension of protection of, of, of folks uh, of various religion, of protection of, of folks across gender spectrum, etc um, and um, national origin that movement started with um, the, the civil rights movement effort to dismantle racial segregation. so and so this in that small example in essence is a gain for the entirety of the United States. Well, the minute you order civil rights for uh, in, in some in some instances, people often only think that you, you uh, that it only is about racial uh, equality, oh, and then they kind of it tends to be. And it's not that they it start with racial um, equality um, as a as a platform, but even um, the leaders of the civil rights movement, Dr. King, um, formulated a platform that it, that was inclusive of everyone. So it, it's just a false categorization. It also that categorization tend to be dismissive um, because once people think about it being a localized or some groups trying to push agenda, then they they um, they might not see the connections with everybody.
1: If you have a question about civil rights, call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. And we've just talked about civil rights aren't always about race. We'll talk about what else civil rights cover in one minute. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
1: Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org/slash In Legal Terms. It's available on the MPB Public Media app as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. This morning we're talking about civil rights with our guest, Professor Michelle Alexandri from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And we have a call that we're going to go to. Our, it's John in Benton. John, thanks for calling in this morning. How are you?
3: I'm doing fantastic. Um, I wanted to say that... Uh It does my heart good to hear someone both erudite and eloquent in this time when so much stuff is said that doesn't have much, doesn't make much sense. So thank you for that uh, very much. Uh,
1: Thank you for calling and thanking us.
3: Yeah, erudite and eloquent are two good terms, (laughs) two good qualities to have, which you clearly do. Uh, Okay, um, I my. My question is this, with a little b- brief background. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm, I'm very a uh, uh, big NPR listener, and uh, yada yada. But I heard a reveal podcast the other day, which uh, 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 I have a big heart, and uh, basically I was teary eyed the whole time because it was talking about separation of children from their mothers. Uh, and there was one particular story where a six month old baby was removed from the mother that she was breastfeeding, her. and when she got her back, of course her milk had dried up, and this and that. So my question is, what can be done about this? I wanted just immediately to go march or do something after hearing that. It just broke my heart
2: thank you um thank you caller um, That's a very important issue uh. You know, I think one of the biggest hurdles to civil rights um, gain is lack of information and and feeling of isolation. So um, the issue of separation of children is an important one. And what what I've noticed and what we've um, been plagued with is not being able to find out information in real time. Um, and so the first thing that I would, would encourage you to do is to connect with your um, local civic organization like the ACLU, um, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and, um, and um, really uh, follow their website, really follow um, their actions so that you, be, you know how to support the work that they're doing and other attorneys are doing. Um, so that uh, you are contributing in the way you want to contribute to the resolution separating uh, children from their parents is um, um, has been um, uh, categorized as a violation of basic human dignity by uh, by human rights um, uh, uh, laws uh, and it's we also have robust immigration laws that establish procedures um, and do uh, and due process in, in um, for even um, individuals who might be deemed as um, presenting in front of the borders um, without um, documentation. So, uh the summary imprisonment without due process is not legal um, under any of our laws. And really, uh, having experts and f- and funding experts and supporting experts who are um, staying on top of these issues, like 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 we saw um, last year with um, with executive orders and and people and attorneys being at the airport representing people. That is that is the first um, the first um, part of the battle. Um, the second part of the battle is to be vigilant and to uh, be in conversation with your own legislators and to help guide them as to what what you, the consensus is on these policies. Um, there's no there's no way they will hear you unless you are in communication with them and make it be known that you don't tolerate the policies.
1: John, we appreciate you calling in this morning. All right. In our last segment, we talked about how civil rights issues affect all Americans. And I think especially in Mississippi, most people think of race as the primary issue dealt with civil rights litigation and legislation. But you've also written about gender. How are gender issues treated differently from other civil rights issues?
2: Uh, you know, I think the gender um, context is is fascinating. Uh, it has so many parallels to the race context, obviously, because um, those um, biases and structural inequities are, um, have existed for, for for a long time. With gender inequity, however, y- you have a situation where it is so private and um, that it's hard to have a change occur, that even though we... Um, uh, even though we've had changes in the law, um, private life mirrors, and um, a lot of times, um, assumptions about uh, who's, who has priority, who gets to make decisions. And unless we have, uh, we are constantly negotiating and talking to each other about it in private as well as in public, we, what we've seen is that these, these profiling, these, these stereotypes, um, really um, come out in the public in the form of judicial decision in the form of policies um, against our children in the school system, um, indecision in the workforce. So um, what I'm really, um, uh, um, really passionate about is talking to people about how to have conversations that are not adversarial, non-adversarial conversation to really unearth in which ways we've we've all bought into this idea that there are ways to be, that there there are categories in our society and that people have to fit into one category or another. And we see that discussion becoming more live with our young people and with um, uh, increasing awareness around um, different forms of identity and gender really being a term that's not quite appropriate. Um, So our, our discussion about LGBTQ rights um, and queer uh, um, and queer identities uh, really um, I think are helping progress the conversation that has been kind of stuck for I would say (laughs) if not millennia at least for a good 100 years.
1: I grew up Uh, a girl in the 70s in the united states when the era was being pushed so hard for in many of the states would is there a statute of limitations on the states that had passed that is that wording now antiquated as regards to gender how has that how does that fit into 2019
2: well, I think if, if the ERA were to um, get on back on the agenda in 2019, um, it, would be, uh, it would fit the conversation, it, but it would just be a floor not the ceiling. I think um, in the in the 70s, 80s and 90s, uh, we were still doing the work of not only enacting equal rights law, we're talking about equal pay um, we're talking about inclusion of uh, in a meaningful way of women in the workforce um, and we were not aware because a lot of those um, live realities were done in, in private in the dark recesses because um, coming out as not fitting being a a woman or a man or wanting to be free of categories that was at a risk of death in the 50s 60s 70s and even today trends, um our trans um, community folks are trans um, community members die in the streets regularly we have death in Mississippi uh, um, of violence against trans um, trans persons um, so um, so there is a high risk to being non-conforming that has um, uh, that has been a reality for so long, and I think that's that's prevented it from being part of the agenda. So now if the ERA were to come back um, as a goal, I think the meaning of gender equity would be so expensive because the conversation would have to take place as to, to, to define that. And that's what's in the court right now. Um, um, we are debating the meaning of um, sex equality. Um, under just all regular statute like Title IX, right now in in front of the court it, with the case of trans trans student um, um, uh, suing to get um, access to uh, facilities based on the, their gender identity, not the one selected at birth. So um, so that definition, I think we're doing that work. We're not we don't have a consensus yet, but because we're doing that work, any conversation about the ERA would have to include that definition an upgraded definition.
1: We would love everyone to come and participate with our show. We're talking with Professor Michelle Alexandri from the University of Mississippi School of Law about civil rights and how all that encompasses 1877 MPB ring. That's 1 877 672 7464 is our phone number. So LGBTQ rights are part of the gender issues, part of civil rights.
2: I do believe that. Um, I think uh, when we think about the way in which we stereotype, uh, it affects both sexual orientation and performance of identity, uh, particular identity that traditionally we've called to be associated to gender categories. Um, and then we are now joined by the medical community. Um, the medical community both uh, uh, um, recently have issued a statement advising parents not to force categories or um, classification across gender lines on, on children and to let them come into their own um, and that it would do more harm to um, do early selection um, at birth. And, and um, as, as we've done classically, so um, so I think we all awakening to the reality that we have bought in into um, hard categories that don't reflect um, how much people differ, on, and that all of these things operate on spectrums, um, and that um, so they are civil rights issues because, and they are gender issues, I believe, because at the root of it is the is the hurdle that we have. Seen selected and categorized people in very, very close um, categories, very close um, demarcations for centuries. And even the category of women, um, we Even with all the law we have put forth, we have not achieved substantive equality in, 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 t- in terms of giving choices to people that are meaningful so that both men and women can make choices with our career and family in, in ways that they can freely negotiate rather than um, suffer uh, a disparate impact based on, on decisions that are unpopular. So that's why stereotyping is at the root. If we can remedy the profiling and the stereotype based on assumption of performance, then I think we could move a long way.
1: This is very fascinating. Give us a call if you have a question about civil rights and all that that encompasses. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 1- You can also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. What's the difference between civil and human rights? We'll talk about that aspect when we come back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: Listening to in legal terms on MPB Think Radio.
1: You're listening to in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershen is our expert, but he had to be away today. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are many different podcasting platforms. I like Podcast Addict. I downloaded it to my phone touched the plus button that took me to the page to search for podcasts, then I typed in in legal terms in the search area. It brought up in legal terms. I was able to touch the photo then subscribe and so now I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning we're talking about civil rights with our guest Professor Michelle Alexandre the Associate Dean for Faculty Development, Professor of Law and Leonard B. Melvin Jr. Lecturer at the University of Mississippi School of Law. We're talking about civil rights and all that that entails professor alexandre was a guest on our show on august 21st of 2018 that was a show that really touched my heart we talked about human trafficking if you'd like to listen to that you can listen to it as a podcast or you can go to our website or go to the mpb public media app so human trafficking is a human rights issue how how are human rights different from civil rights
2: well, um, you know, I think human rights and civil rights are the same, as you can probably gather um, from our conversation. But um, if, if it helps our, our, um, our listeners, um, I, wanted, I do want to define them as they um, usually are categorized. Generally, um, civil rights in the United States really encompass Um, rights um, uh, really basic um, areas that um, we deem that the government should not interfere with um, like our um, ability to protest and speak in public or our right to vote. So they are political rights um, in a lot of ways and um, and then the public space, like employment, like um, travel and commerce. So, the civil rights gains of the last 50 years have been around the public space, uh, even though it, they rearrange interaction between private people. So, when it comes to human rights, it's more, it's, it's designed to be greater than that. Uh, human rights are at its essence, um, and uh, from uh, the inception of the human rights framework after World War II, um, it was designed to promote human dignity. So basically, it puts a mandate on countries to refrain, to um, interfere or uh, diminish human dignity, but also to validate, affirm, and build in any way that's lack uh, to build human dignity and to restore dignity where it's, where it's lacking. So there are affirmative duties on, on, in the human rights construct that have not yet been um, translated into the U.S. construct, but this is what um, people like me argue for. People like me are always um, um, writing about places where human dignity are diminished with the complicity of the law, and uh, and that's not acceptable in any legal framework.
1: So, as I'm understanding, a c- civil right could be granted by the state, but a human right should be universal it's, and right. moral
2: moral you're already born with it and 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 you know all of the philosophers that we've we've um, we our legal structure is inspired from have advocated for basic human dignity so it's not new to us it's just the way we do our lawmaking we are in constant conversation about public and private so um, part of the work of civil rights in the United States is to expand understanding about how the private and public are connected so that when we are when we are protecting children from trafficking for example we not just telling parents um, to be careful and what to do, and we're not just um, being mindful in all private sectors, but we are also doing the job of the law of protecting basic human dignity and the vulnerable.
1: Give us a call to participate actively with our show. Our number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. The address is legal terms at mpbonline.org. org. After we did our human trafficking show, it really got me thinking and opening my eyes to look around. The United States is a country of immigrants. Everyone immigrated here from wherever or across the land bridge in Alaska or from a boat on Ellis Island or on an airplane or walking across the border. But those individuals that have probably been brought here for illegal purposes or have had their human rights taken advantage of. That is very disturbing. And once again, like our previous caller, you want to be able to do something. How can Mississippians find out about some of the uh, human trafficking laws in, in our state and the country?
2: Uh well, I think first I do want to um, stop and, 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 and really just give honor to the Native people who um, made up this country before anybody got here. So they, they themselves were not immigrants. And I know there's so many ills in the country um, or anywhere in society that we often forget that there are Native people still living here and, and, and we are on their land. And, um, and they, they themselves are, are, are part of the civil rights movement second um I also want to give honor to the um, millions of Africans who came here in bondage. Um, they were not immigrants; they were forced here. So, you know, it's a complex history in the United States. Um, we have these populations that still exist, and that we have heritage and legacy in our laws from 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 force and uh, um, force um, displacement of Africans and slavery, and and also the dissemission decim- decim- of decimation of native people. and then you have the modern trafficking movement as you point out Um, if you are um, concerned about trafficking you should um, really contact um, uh, the AG's office and um, and visit their web their website Um, and you can just Google uh, the Attorney General's office of Mississippi Um, and they do have documentation on human trafficking Um, but my students um, you know I, I encourage my students to research this and we do have anti-trafficking student group on campus and we've documented that we do not mirror um, by any stretch yet the robust um, uh, protections that are um, uh, modeled in other states like Massachusetts or even Georgia or even Tennessee protecting children or um, movement of children or movement of of bodies, women vulnerable um, um, men being trafficked across state lines. So um, if you are concerned about um, the selling and the uh, victimization of bodies, whether children or young adult or men, any vulnerable bodies, but uh, if you are concerned about that, that uh, consult the AG's um, department, go to the website, and then really look at the um, uh, trafficking laws in Georgia Massachusetts and, of course, our neighboring states who who have, um, those states have implemented a beginning model of better protections, and those should inspire us to to do the same all right They're and they really- always Go ahead. We
1: will have the AG's website on this show's webpage and on the podcast. We'll also have links to the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and how you can find out who your uh, Mississippi legislators are and how you can contact them and how you could contact your congressional representatives in Washington, D.C. And uh, Professor
2: Liz. Uh, yes. And I should also say that um, you know we have our own local um, uh, at the University of Mississippi. We are lucky to have attorneys working. non for um, to protect individuals or to refer them to appropriate um, uh, uh, attorneys or relev- uh, experts doing the work. So if you have any question or feel you're victimized, you can always contact the McCarter Justice, Justice Clinic and um, you will be referred to someone who can help you.
1: Excellent. We will have a link to that. And Professor Alexandre of the University of Mississippi School of Law, we're talking about civil rights and this has really sparked some of our listeners. We have three calls. Our first one we're going to go to in Oxford is Kido. Thanks for calling in today. Welcome to In Legal Terms. Hello. Hello. Hi. So shall I ask my question? Please, you're on the air. All right.
4: I'm interested in techniques for uh, working on uh, getting
1: people to understand how the health of everyone, how the civil rights of everyone personally benefits every single one of us.
4: I think that, that that people are isolated and don't see how it actually benefits the whole thing. So I want to appeal, appeal to everyone's enlightened
2: self-interest. And I wonder if there are any political or organized techniques for working on that. Uh, that's a great question, Kido. It's a and it's all a, a passion of mine. I, I think you know people who know me know that I say all the time the political is personal and the personal is political. I didn't invent it. I didn't invent it because it is so true. Um, it is a common um, saying. Uh, and one of the things that I know that happens around us is um, the William Winter William Institute does a seat at a table um, um, series that is very instrumental. And what they do. Um, I think is, would, would give anyone a, a blue point. Um, one of the things that they, they, they strive for is to um, create structures for uncomfortable conversation. Um, so uh, the short of it, then, keto is that we want to create spaces where we can talk about hard issues and create ground rules where um, if the conversation gets um, hard and difficult, that um, those ground rules help us um, um, stop and also they serve as check to not take it personal. But the basic um, flaw of this model is that those... Difficult conversation have to take place. And they have to take place um, outside of the communities that are impacted. So um, it's fine and good that I'm here and I'm talking about civil rights issues um, and I can go into uh, different communities to which I belong and talk about it. But it is necessary of for communities to talk about these issues within themselves, to talk about in the ways in which they might perpetrate these kind of issues um, profiling these stereotypes, these assumptions, without the external gaze so that they can start doing the work of questioning um, some of the actions and then retrain their brain. I think a lot of that work is about being, um, being aware, and many times people are not aware. Once you're aware, then you can progressively check yourself, and this is a long-term goal. No, there's no magic wand to it, but what we're seeing is that the lack of open conversation is the biggest hurdle.
1: Thanks, Keto. We appreciate you calling in. Next, we're going to go to Cassandra and Roxy. Thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead.
4: Hi. Good morning. Good morning. What a wonderful time to be alive. Um, what I was wondering, as we go to a gender-neutral society, and that's what we're kind of moving with, you know, one of the things that I find very problematic is how are we going to address you know, these people who are incarcerated, because now we're seeing where people who, who have, um, who identify differently from their birth gender, but they're being placed in their birth gender's uh, prisons, and they are being abused and they've been um, killed and, um, you know, they've been mutilated. So how do you foresee in the future, how are we going to address these significant problems, if we're going gender neutral, how are we going to go to gender neutral, um, you know, public facilities? How are we going to go gender, gender neutral if we do it looking at the prison population? How are we going to make this work out to be safe for everyone?
2: That's a great question, caller. Um, my short answer to that, and um, that it's an ongoing problem, an ongoing process of problem solving. So, your, your first um, identification is that there are dangers, right? Um, yes. Particularly exactly. in the prison context. I would say that those dangers exist in same sex prisons, period. Um, right, the, that that raping among um, in, the incarcerated, the, the level of in which um, the conditions in prison causes um, people to devolve. Those conditions cause people to devolve. That's a that's a primary issue. So the issue is not whether uh, without solving the issue of um, of, of basic human dignity in in, cost, uh, in in the carceral system, I don't think we can get to different facilities because what you see when you have people who are forced to live under conditions condition below human dignity, that you will have a devolution um, and a tax and things that operate based on power structure. So um, I think gender neutrality is possible, but first we have to problem solve. And it's an ongoing process, um, issue by issue. Um, and I'd love to talk to you in detail. Please stop by at the university about ways to do that in other contexts. I do think that our European... Um, Um, Peers have figured a way to to have gender neutral facilities that are safe in many structures um, and that, you know, it's a matter of, again, architectural problem solving and thinking about all the things that people need and safety and safeguards. Um, so outside of the prison context, there are, there are different uh, gender-neutral models already in existence. Inside the prison context, we have primary and, and foundational problem-solving issues that relate to providing basic conditions of human dignity that first need to be solved.
1: Thanks, Cassandra. We appreciate you calling in. And quickly, we're going to get in our last call before our break. D from Jackson, go ahead, please.
5: Good morning. Good morning. I hope hope to God and Jesus that you all can help me, because my mom's going to be 85 this year. Uh, I was driving on the street. I had the green light. A man from a parking lot darted in front of my path. I ended up T-boning him. And then uh, he told the police that he had insurance. So he, got, he had no proof. He got sighted at the scene. Actuality, he was uninsured motorist. Uh, I'm trying to get to it as quickly as I can. This man um, hired a very high-profile law firm. Uh, my mom's deceased husband's insurance company. Uh, they, had, they looked at the accident report. The guy, it was clearly his fault. This... Uh, I mean, this uh, insurance company, I was forced to go to a deposition last Friday. I did not have adequate representation. Uh, When I told them that I wanted, that I called over 10 lawyers, I wanted somebody to to be there to represent me, I looked at the person who's supposed to be representing me, and he was smirking because I had no one. uh, uh, They're trying to say that the accident was my fault. They... This high profile uh, company has t- investigated me. They've uh, served me papers. They even call, an investigator called my daughter's phone.
1: Dee, uh, this sounds just horrid. What is your oh, question for that. Professor Alexandre?
5: And not only that, this other guy typed. A per se, a pro se, worded it wrong, put cross-claim on it, didn't tell me that, hey, when I put this on here, that means you're going to be suing a guy who's suing you. Had me to sign a confidentiality agreement, took that information, gave it to other people. I have no one. No one will help me. And my mom has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's dementia with brain shrinkage. I'm the sole caretaker. And I even have a niece who's a police officer. She is accusing me of stealing mom's money when she knows that mom has helped everybody, that she's never had a saving. She even used her money to bury this girl's mother. Dee,
1: this is just uh, breaking my heart. Professor Alexandre, when an individual needs a le- legal representation, and uh, how can they go about finding help uh, when you're in such a desperate situation?
2: Well there are numerous paths um, one is that um, we can't we can't take all cases but we do have a civil clinic so one of the things to that I would recommend is to contact one of our clinics to see if they have room and if if the claim fit um, our um, our types of um, areas of expertise, but the um, uh, the other other than that, um, it is very difficult. What I hear from the from the um, series of of, accident, of 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 from the facts is that this is a basically a tort claim um, having to do with insurance um, dispute, um, etc. And um, so that's very specific, and um, that would be in the not civil rights, but in terms of uh, but this would be your run of a meal tort litigation and civil suits so our, our clinic might be able to help but otherwise we might refer you to an, an attorney who, who's, who might um, be able to um, take on the case
1: all right d we will have a link to that clinic on this show's website we need to take our next break professor alexandre we are so grateful that you've been able to take time to be with us this morning
2: I am happy um, to be here. I really enjoy your listener, and I look forward to next time. All right. When we come back, we have a special treat. MPB has a new local
1: show that's kind of, well, it's, it's very legally, and we're great to have our executive producer of that come and speak with us when we come back from our break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MVB Think Radio.
1: Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you subscribe to our podcast, you'll be assured to miss, not miss any of our broadcasts and be notified when they're available. I'm Liz Gill. Professor Gershen is away. But now we have Ezra Wall from our news department and Ezra Please tell us about mpb 's newest local program, yeah,
6: I feel like I should disclaim I am not an attorney don't right. <laughs> don 't take any legal advice that I give you ever. Um, our, our new show is called at Issue on Think Radio. If you think this sounds familiar liz it 's because it is very familiar to people who 've been following our news department over the years, and especially the program that we 've been doing on MPB television during the legislative session uh, for several years now called at issue. Um, this is a radio version of that program we take we take uh, the great in-depth information that you're used to on at issue on MPB television and uh, the same back and forth from our expert panel Austin Barber who is a Republican and Brandon Jones who's a Democrat it's moderated on the radio by our host Desiree Fraser, and we add to it listener phone calls uh, so if you get, I mean, all you have to say in public radio is, "Hey, politics. Do you have any thoughts?" <laughs> and and all kinds of people uh, show up. So we've we thought that this is just a great way that we can engage with our audience on some of these legislative issues that we cover all the time.
1: I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with the Friday at issue. Yes, and this is not just the audio from that broadcast three no, days it's later.
6: A, it's a live radio program, and we we uh, not only cover. Your listenership, but we definitely need you to call in and participate. So, you know, the same number that goes to all the all the nine, ten, and eleven o'clock shows here on MPB Think Radio is going to work uh, during ad issue on Think Radio, and then after the show, we're you know we'll post it on Facebook and Twitter and on our website, and you'll you'll be able to find it and get to it and everything like that. Um, our, our panel, as I said, are, is uh, getting quite a reputation for. I think we were the first people to put them in in a room together, but now they've done presentations and stuff all all over the state about Mississippi politics. It's uh, Austin Barber, who is a Republican and who is uh, part of the Clearwater Group, which is a Mississippi-based political consultancy firm, and Brandon Jones, who's a Democrat and an attorney and a former member of the Mississippi House of Representatives. So it's quite an interesting discussion when when those two uh, f- uh, friends who disagree with each other get in the same room.
1: And they'll be discussing Mississippi issues? Will they touch on any national issues?
6: Well, yeah. I mean, to the extent that uh, the issues that are being discussed in the Mississippi State Legislature may descend from some uh, one party or another's feelings on national politics, sure. They've been talking about immigration in various ways, which has been a big topic on the national scene, and we're anticipating hearing a lot about that in tonight's State of the Union address uh, from President Donald Trump. Um, And they've been talking about how things like that affect Mississippi. But basically, during during the legislative session, legislators who are, are part-time employees uh, come from all over the state and meet in Jackson for a 12-week period of time to, to make new laws, adjust old laws, and see what they want to do. So that's what we're going to talk about every Monday morning at 9 o'clock at issue on Think Radio.
1: Well, we're so glad to have that join our Monday lineup. Thank you, Ezra Wall, for, um, for telling our re- our listeners all about it. Thank you, Liz. That's going to wrap us up for today. Our call screener Today has been Michelle McAdoo, and our board engineer in Jackson has been Jay White. Professor Richard Gershon will be back next week. He was listening on his way to the airport today. We want to thank our guest, Professor Michelle Alexandre. Next week, our guest will be adjunct Professor Tiffany Kilpatrick, who will talk about how the criminal defense process works. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.